Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of Talking Yoga with Joe. In this episode, I sit with my meditation teacher, Sal Familia. Sal has been doing yoga practice since the 70s. He is so incredibly knowledgeable about ancient yoga texts, Sanskrit language, meditation, and he is great to sit down with and talk. This is actually one of the first podcasts that Sal and I have ever done. I remember spending a couple of minutes on my deck with Sal trying to figure out all the technology hookups, and you will hear some background noise and my beagle Luna in some parts of the series. This episode was a lot of fun for me. We learned in this podcast that Sal and I got into yoga practice exactly 40 years apart to the month. We also talk about a vast amount of different topics going on in the world. It was very informative for me all around. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy doing it. Here we go, Sal Familia. This is it, Sal. All right, we're back. This is recording. This is recording too. Yes. Okay. This is perfect. The same right. time. We had a little technical difficulties. Right. So what are we doing here, Joe? We're talking about tell me about yoga. Let's talk about how that started, where, where tell me about yoga came from. Yes. Where came from. Well, I guess you can say it started yoga pop. How? How did it start? What do you mean? How did it start at Yoga Pop? Yoga Pop 2014. Oh, okay. That's where you and I met. Correct. Okay. All right. All right. So you want to go Begins back into there. The, you want to start in the it's ancient days. starting at the roots. We'll eventually get there. <laughs> okay. Isn't that the goal? Yoga? Yeah, yeah. Sure, it is. There. It is. And it's all about the journey. So, um, yeah. So we met at uh, Yoga Pop 2014. Yes. You had just rolled into town not too long before that, right? And I had just moved in to Charleston about a week before. Uh-huh. And it was really neat to see what was going on in Charleston, just, you know, where yoga was at at that time where we have a huge festival like this. Yeah. Now, did you have any idea when you moved here what the, what the yoga scene was like? Did you check out the yoga scene before or did you sure. just land here? Mission yeah. Yoga was my first spot that yeah. we, uh, leading to further, that's where yeah. myself and I are base, and we just had our class. But you knew the yoga scene here before you physically moved from New York to Charleston? Yes. Oh, okay. See, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know anything at all about what was going on here, yoga-wise. So that's, that's two different approaches there. Right. Um, both having some kind of understanding of yoga in New York, too, which is... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we both came from the New York scene. The New York Two area. very different scenes, though. Where were you? Where were your haunts in New York when you were um, practicing yoga? All over, all over Manhattan. Manhattan. Um, that's that's where I think the Manhattan yoga scene and Brooklyn mm-hmm. in that area is just so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I always recommend people to check out St. Mark's mm-hmm. area. Just yoga to the people. I loved. My background was in starting into yoga was hot yoga. Okay. So. And so, what year was that? This was, you know, it's funny you mention that. I was trying to figure this out yesterday. Um, I actually found a website <laughs> where you can plug in two dates, and it it shows you the time, which is neat, I guess, for someone that uh, thinks about that. But it was uh, about two years and seven months ago. It was almost three, yeah. 
So that was 2012? That's when I started with yoga around 2012. So now here's, interesting. here's what's interesting. I started yes. 40 years before that. Yes. <laughs> 1972. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. What month, what month did you start? Uh, Not that that means anything. I want to say around September. So I started in September of 72. <laughs> wow. So almost 40 years to the date. Okay. To the so, date. Yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting uh, dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Um, that was hot yoga, your first class? Uh, first group class, yes. Yeah. There wasn't even the thought of hot yoga when I started. And in fact, um, there wasn't... There was no Brooklyn scene. And in Manhattan, there was probably Shivananda... Satchitananda, you know, integral yoga, Shivananda, I mean, uh, Satchitananda, and probably a Shivananda place, and um, I don't know. Where were those? That's in in Manhattan. It was in Manhattan. So, yeah, in 72, um, there were very few, in fact, even, I don't even think people use the term yoga studio. I don't even think that even existed. Hmm. Typically ashrams. Yoga ashrams. Yeah, ashrams. Although... That's interesting. I wonder when it transitioned to, oh, this is a this space is going to be a studio. Yeah. Yoga studio. Yeah. My guess would be early 80s. Yeah. Um, might have been the late 70s. But, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. There were no yoga studios in my area. So I was on the south shore of Long Island. Um, That's right. And so we were really the only game in town. We were the only place offering yoga. Um, there were some adult education programs, but you had to go into Manhattan to see any other, find any other yoga. That's so, got to be so strong, just having that uh, uh, one studio back then during that time. Oh, yeah, and it was a real, um, it was a hippie destination. You know, sure. Um, because of the times. And um, another interesting thing is it was a... a, a the population was, you know, it looked like the world. It was like almost 50-50, 50% men, 50% women. There were almost equal amount of men and women coming there. Um, I didn't start to see it skewing in the other direction until um, the early 80s. Yes. And that coincided with yoga studios being introduced. So anyway, let's get back. So uh, this was uh, 2012, September of 2012. Yes. You walk into a hot yoga studio. Was it was it love at first sight, or did it take you time to get? To yeah, get into it, it changed. Really, it changed everything. Wow. Um, it's quite a game changer. I mean, you're never gonna be, whether it's your first class, second, third, fourth, hundredth, five hundredth. It's always gonna be, you walk in one person, and you're gonna walk out another. Right. Hmm. So how long did you do the hot yoga thing at that one studio? Did you, were you, um, were you did you just go to that studio or did you play around? So I, I have to represent my, uh, my city of Yonkers. Uh-huh. That's, that's the roots and everything. So Yonkers is where you grew up? Born and raised, yeah. Spent uh, 25 years of my life there. Uh-huh. Um, so just, just having that experience... And uh, Hot Yoga Yonkers, I'll give a shout out to, which is now Hot Yoga Journeys, the same. 
but that's my that's my studio is a block away from my house. Literally, I ran up a hill. Yeah. And I was at the place, at the place where I was just changing as a person, yeah. constantly going into the hot room. It was uh, yeah. it was an experience, especially a similar sequence like yeah. Bikram, right. where you know what you're walking into. Um, I'm going to do my deep breathing, my pranayama breathing exercise at the beginning. Yeah. I'm going to go into fucking extreme backbends. I mean, Bikram backbends are yeah. no joke. Um, so they start doing this right away. Like you go to a class and you're you're doing backbends, you're doing pranayama. Yes, class. Sure. Yeah. I mean, everyone's practice is going to be different. Sure. Everyone's body is different. Yet yoga is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so these were big classes. Were they crowded? Sure. I think. Especially when you have such a small studio like that and people around that area, um, they just thrive on going to the studios. It's just such a... Un- beginning the practice of asana. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about yoga. Tell me about yoga. Mm-hmm. It's so much more. You, you realize it's very, very small part of yoga. It's mm-hmm. Asana is the physical form. and We talk about this a lot, I think, in... Modern, I don't know, modern yoga classes, I guess, is the right way. Well, you know, I gotta, to I, say I, I gotta stop you there. I, I want to hear what you know. I hear I a lot of people say that. Oh, yoga is so much more than the postures, and um, I hear that. And of course, it it was that way for me. But what else is it? And so I go to yoga studios now, and we're doing asana. <laughs> yes, we are. For, you know, for Lots. an hour or an hour and fifteen minutes, and and I keep hearing that yoga is so much more than that. But I just see postures being taught. Sure. So how how do you reconcile those two things? That's I mean, the is this something we form. just say? Is this something? Is it just become de rigueur to say yoga is so much more than postures and? It's almost become like a mantra. But what like what else? Tell me what else people are Physical. doing. So we have right in front of us before yeah. we started this podcast and hit record. Before all that technical difficulties. Before working through all the glitches. Um, I, so I have with me here, I know yeah. we have no video, but we have the four chapters of on freedom. So basically the, the sutras. sutras. Mm-hmm. And then uh, an asana pranayama mudra um, mm-hmm. book. These are all from... Yoga training. Mm-hmm. Where was I going with this? Yes, the physical form. Yoga is also in here. So if you look at the sutras, in the sutras, yoga asana is not even mentioned. It's been, no. Let me no. back up. It's mentioned, but it but doesn't it's never mean meant. what it means for us today. I, look, I, let's cut to the chase. I know that yoga <laughs> is more than asana, and I'm, we can point to all the literature, and I know the literature, I know the sutras, and I know the tradition. That's not the question I'm asking. The question I'm asking is when people today say yoga is much more than postures, how does that translate into something that's actually done in a yoga studio and and that's taught in a yoga studio? And I don't mean what teachers are taught in a yoga teacher training program. I mean Harry 
marry, walk into a yoga studio for the first time, they're introduced to yoga, they're taught yoga, what else are they taught that meets that mantra? Yoga is so much more than postures. Because you live it off the mat as well. You're still... Live what? You're still in the practice of yoga. What practice? The practice of just being. Yeah, but how is that taught in a yoga class? I, it's not. Okay. It's that's, not. All right. No, we can settle right. there. Okay. Uh, okay, so we're not necessarily... Just, so when we say yoga is much more than postures or asana, we're not necessarily saying that yoga as it's taught in a yoga studio is much more than asana. Are we? we can, are we saying that? No. We can say we're going with that. I see, I see where yeah. you're coming from. Yeah, I'm, I'm being very critical, and I'm, I'm taking that position where I, I don't simply want to agree. I, it's not that I agree with that mantra, with that statement that yoga is much more than asana. But my problem is, is I hear that a lot, but I don't see in the studio environment I How sure, that's given. I see it. Right? I see it. I saw it this morning. Okay. So, I saw talk it. About, so what was this morning? Talk about this morning. So, Lily Kiritan, which is uh, these two guys, John, Martha, John had contacted me uh, a few weeks prior to today, and um, they play uh, music around at studios. John plays guitar, we have a Kirtan. Uh, so when they contacted me and I checked out their music, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, John and, and both Martha have an awesome voice. Definitely recommend checking them out. So this morning, they had played Kelly's Yin Vinyasa class. Right. Great class. And I mean, Yin Vinyasa, that, that's a whole other ball game right there um, where there's so much to talk about. It's such a, a great practice sequence mm-hmm. mixing the two. Let um, alone even what kirtan is. So a lot of people listening to this might not even know what kirtan is. Yes. So, you want to explain? Well, is it, um, yeah, let's, what's, let's, let's back up a little bit. <laughs> right. So th- it, this has become very trendy um, and very popular. It's been around a while. Studios, um, yes. It's been around, I mean, in, in terms of the Western, modern Western yoga scene, it's, it's been around for quite a while. Um, so I think for some people going to a yoga class who've never been introduced to that, they go and there's a bunch of people singing. Opera. You know, sweet melody. Look at Bikram. <laughs> Bikram sings so, his operas during his teacher trainings. Uh, let's not go. Let's not talk about Bikram. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> no, let's not talk about. No, we talked about chowder. hot yoga. Bikram. Chowder ahead. Yes, he, he, he does not uh, yeah. have worthy of much time. No, no. Nothing much to see here. Move along. Move, Move along. It's been said. But so, Kirtan. Actually, has um, Well, tell me about your understanding of what it is. Well, I know. Uh, Jiva Mukti, right, and I could definitely be wrong with this, but they have their instrument that they go into where during opening ohms yeah. and ceremony and, and, and repeating mantras they yeah, use. There's a call and response 
call and response, yes. So, but what, you know, again, for the person who's hearing this and has no idea where this comes from um, and what it means, and I might add, most people who are sitting and doing this, doing kirtan, don't know what it means or where it comes from, and that's sure. not, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a question whether that's even necessary or not. That's just a little quirk of my mind, you know, my, my brain says, well, you you got to know what this is if you're doing it, but that that's, that's just me. Um, so it didn't originate in New Jersey or New York or on the West Coast or, you know, where did it originate? Where does Kirtan come from? It's a good question. And with the power of this internet, <laughs> we can have this information. You're going to Google it? It's from, so it's a tradition from India. I can take a guess. India. I was going to guess India. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's a tradition that doesn't necessarily... Um, it's not necessarily a part of yoga. Um, I, certainly Patanjali doesn't say anything at all that would indicate that kirtan would be part of practice. So it comes out of the devotional practices in the spiritual traditions in India. Um, and this, as a side note, this would be a really interesting study for somebody with a scholarly bent to research how that how kirtan became aligned with yoga and when it happened and my guess it would probably be 15th 16th century but wow that's that's a whole another uh, that's just a ball well, just a guess that you know sure. anyway so Going back so it has, so it has something to do with devotion and it's really the cultivation of the heart um, the melodies and the, even the subject matter of what's uh, being chanted um, all relates to love and devotion. Mm. Um, so what role do you think that plays in a yoga class? So this morning we had a yin vinyasa class. We've had lots of yin vinyasa classes with Kelly. So yes. what, did, what did the presence of kirtan bring to the class in your opinion? This right here, ladies and gentlemen. You hear that in the background? That's one of my favorite songs. That's, I shouldn't say favorite song, but Ed Sheeran is a good artist. And the song. You're talking about that car radio we're hearing yes, right now? Yes. Backtracking, we're in my porch right now in, in Charleston, South Carolina, um, with palm trees. And, it and a beautiful had, sky. Which I mean, was very different, which is different from what, how many hours ago. Oh, not this too long morning. ago. It was raining, yeah. Very rainy morning. Uh, it was quite the adventure for both of us to get to the class. Uh, but get back to the song. But the I mean, elements. What's the song? I don't. It's it's Ed Sharon. But besides the point, it's an element. Okay. Um, yoga and music is is an amazing combination. I think, and mm -hmm. it uh, especially for me, I might be biased because music is um, definitely a huge part of my development. Um, love live performances and just playing music um, but of course this is going to be definitely different for but what's so what's the connection what's the music and yoga connection it's just it's just, it just is it just something background is it an aesthetic element you know like the wall color or or the bamboo floor I mean what like what is it about music and what is it about kirtan in particular that enriches the yoga experience of being in a studio. What do you think? I think it's a great question for the yogis. 
Well, the yogis. I'm looking at a yogi yes. right now, and he's, he's refusing to answer here my we, question. Here we go. It, <laughs> it adds uh, an element of harmony, uh, I think, yeah. with, with the space that you're in, in mm-hmm. the physical practice mm-hmm. of asana. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of mood do you think it evokes? I mean, I, I think one of the qualities of kirtan that attracts people is a... Is a certain kind of mood that is cultivated, that's evoked, um, if I could use a buzzword or buzz term, it's a more heart-oriented kind of practice. You know, you're struggling with a particular posture or this or that, you know, is one thing, but when you hear this melody and um, the, the intention of the words, whether you, know, whether you understand the Sanskrit or not, um, is oriented around devotion and love, a feeling of connectivity with something perhaps greater than, uh, that's, that's greater than your sense of limitation um, or any aloneness or alienation you might feel. So there's something about the melody and the rhythm and the content of the chant that um, evokes, right? Wouldn't you say a certain kind of experience? Mm, sure. I mean, let's face it, the people in the room, everybody is brought to a certain vulnerability. I mean, you're, first of all, you're, you know, you're partially naked. You're in this room with other people, and you're moving and bending your body, and um, there are not just feelings and sensations in your body, but there's thoughts in the mind and emotions that arise. And Sal is saying it's very sexual. Well, yeah, it is. Yes, it is. In the West or in the East, I think yoga is yoga. Yeah, I mean, yoga it's is not... everything. But uh, I think yes, what you were yeah. saying. But what I'm, I think what what I'm trying to say is that it, it it opens access to a lot of possibilities of emotional, feeling, sensate possibilities. It's not just you know like being in a gym and working out. So when you add this element of a coordinated, you know, everybody is, those who are singing, I wasn't singing this morning, but those who are singing um, are singing together. Um, the melodies tend to be... Um, well, the, whether you're an observer or... Um, a participant. A parti- yes. Yeah, I mean, even it's, observing, it's, the same. it's not like I wasn't listening. I was really just, I mean, I've sang a lot in the past. Um, yes, we've been there. Yeah. I mean, m- uh, my first Krishna teacher Dash. would have us just sing scales in class or sometimes just scream. You know, in that, I think that when I was first started learning, I think primal scream therapy, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. That was a very popular thing in the late 60s. I can only imagine starting a yoga class today and just like breathe in for screaming at the top of our lungs. Yeah. We did that. I mean, one day, I'll never forget, my teacher walked in and she mu- and now, you know, when I try to re- think about what she saw, so this is like the early 70s, and this is a mixed crowd of people from, you know, late teens to f- in their 40s, you know, even 50s. But it was a very mixed, eclectic crowd. And I'm sure we just looked so heavy and uptight and burdened, and um, at least in this particular class. And one day she just she came in, she says, all right, now I want you all to just scream at the top of your lungs. And you wow. felt really weird the first time you did it, and then the second time. But then after a while, you just let go. It was very cathartic, very powerful. And then at other times, she would just have us sing musical scales. She said, "You have to open up. You know, you've got, you've let got loose. to just let go." And sound was one of the ways in which 
we did that. And so in some ways, I think kirtan functions like that as well. If you get involved, if you participate in the singing and the chanting, you know, there's a release that's, that happens, whether you know what the hell those words mean or not. Yes. I had this teacher in New York, uh, and he would say, you know, when you're, when you're doing these kundalini breathing exercises in yoga, it's like you can either think, this is ridiculous, I can't believe I'm doing this, like, you know, what is this, this is so weird, mm -hmm. or you just let that go yeah. and just do it. Yeah. So I think it's yeah, sure. That, kind of that like that filter that we put in in the context of a yoga class and think, oh, this is ridiculous or silly. Um, we don't just do that in a yoga class, you know. That kind of stepping back and removing yourself from the circumstances, one of those very disruptive aspects of life, you know, that we just can't, you know, when we're peeling carrots, or driving in our cars, or sitting on a porch and talking with a friend, if we're not fully present to that, and oftentimes we're not, you know, we're, th we're there's something going on, like, it's like we're a little bit removed, a, a step back from, you know, so I think that exercise in a yoga class, when you're doing this apparently silly breathing exercise, or chanting an, an ancient language that about a tradition that you can't relate to. Those kinds of situations force us to see how we're either pulling back from our circumstances, we're pulling back from the fullness of our life, or we're fully participating in it without that inner voice, that filter going on. Yes, which we talked quite a bit about um the last six weeks out in Foundations of Meditation, huh? your series yeah, at yeah, Mission, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a Sanskrit word. Remind me, chitta. 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 Chitta is the mind. It just the means mind. mind. And so in, so in yoga, mind means not just that part of our cognitive functioning where we're just talking, but it's, it's that, it's reason, um, it's the sense of I, you know, the, the sense of I am. Um, and it's, um, it's just this cohesiveness that's brought into our experience. So mind is like all of those capacities. So that's chitta. A practice that... Um, and then, but then the second half of that you were going to mention. Chitta. Yes. Chitta. Vritti. Chitta vritti. Right? Vritti. Yeah. And vritti is... So vritti is, is um, it's actually related to the English word whirl, believe it or not. VR is the root from vritti, vr. So VR, vr, and wor, whirl. It's, it has a common ancestor in the Indo-European language. So it means the whirl, or spin, or move. So it's the spinning, the moving, the motion of mind, which is where we're at most of the time, you know? There's this... Spinning around, yeah, whirling. Spinning in our, our inner stories, our inner dialogue, narrative, commentary to life. Like, oh, Joe's drinking a glass of water. See, now everybody knows mm. what you were just doing. But, yes, but so it's quite delicious. <laughs> Out here in, in, in Charleston, it can, get, yeah. it can get hot, especially on this porch. Yeah. Well, it's very cool today. But tonight, this is... Uh, see, if we have video, we can turn the camera on this gorgeous sky and let people see 
Um, anyway, but that's that's. But getting our back to me yeah. putting down yeah. the water. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're very conscious of all that. I was gonna <laughs> say um, there's a not a mantra, but a, a, a guy that Duncan Trussell he does uh, podcasts as well, and he had mentioned being mindful. A mantra that you can use is he is sitting down drinking water. He is walking around with a dog and being mindful, which is what we did before mm-hmm. we hit record. We had a nice conversation mm-hmm. leading up to this point. So what he's saying to do is um, to not personalize the experience, like I am sitting down versus he, he is sitting, sitting down. down. Okay. It's a different perspective. Yeah. I think. I'd like to talk to him about what what that means to him. We'd like we, to we talk. Should, we should get this guy and ask him about this. And, yes, yeah. Duncan Trussell. Mm-hmm. You hear this? Where does he teach? Uh, he's not a yoga teacher. He's a comedian. <laughs> Actually, yes, a lot of uh, a lot of these podcasts um, leading going maybe transitioning out of yoga just for a second because sure. I I love talking about technology and I think Sal yourself mm-hmm. you understand the tools mm-hmm. once we once we uh, practice and, and and get there we're figuring this out which was which was neat today uh, but the tools that we use. In documenting all this, I think we were talking about documenting before, mm-hmm. um, saving these conversations, mm-hmm. and um, when something is documented, it's totally different, isn't it? Like the ethos, um, you know, whether whether something exists or if it, you know, if it didn't happen. Right. Yeah, well, that raises an interesting point of view. How arrogant are we to think that this conversation that we're having is something to be recorded for posterity and then, you know, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thought. Yes, oh, for sure. <laughs> What's so valuable about what we're saying? But I, I think if there's any value in it, it would be um, let's, getting back to what started this conversation. Tell me about yoga. Tell me about podcasts. <laughs> so... Yeah, how did we get here? So the, the, we started out, or I started by asking the question, where did that name come from? And so you brought it back to your beginnings with yoga. And yoga pop. a little bit about, and then yoga pop. And, um, but maybe, maybe we'll get back to that um, and go back to these issues of kirtan and language and mantras, and you know, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yes. Right? There's so when much. I, it's interesting. When I asked that question, I was really just um, hoping we would, would talk about the little the, the humor that was involved in it. How you and I um, met, and you said to me, "The dot yoga domains are available." Right? Isn't that how it started? Yes. And so we immediately started. Oh no! You said you wanted to register a particular name. You wanted a name, and I said, "Well, I can find out if it's available." Do you remember what what it was? What you were interested in registering? It was tell me about yoga. No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, what is dot yoga? Right. What is yoga? Right. So we went online. 
I went to, um, was it Yahoo? Not Yahoo. Um, we went to GoDaddy, because I think GoDaddy is what was offering the dot .yoga domains. Right. And I looked it up, and it was taken. All these domain names are taken. Very quickly. This, this is the whole uh, industry. Right. So we Back. eventually, we went through a few different names, and I would plug them in. That one's taken. This one's taken. Then we got to tell me about, and that was available. And that was it. So we bought it. Was it was taken. Right? And we just basically had an idea that we would do something with it. And then I said, well, we got to get a Facebook page. So I set up a Facebook page. And then you and I were talking just a couple of weeks ago. And less than, when was it when we decided to actually start? We had talked about a blog in the past. but I mean, Several weeks, but, months. But it was only very recently that we brought the two ideas together. Yes. To tell me about yoga, which was going to perhaps be an informational site and a blog and a little bit of this and a little bit of that relative to yoga. And then we came to the decision to say, to, to just start it as a blog. Yes. And then have, uh, invite teachers to come in and just basically say to them, all right, well, tell me about yoga. I think there's so much to be said um, about yoga, of course. And mm -hmm. there's uh, many discussions that we see in studio spaces and kind of talk about it briefly. Mm -hmm. But the fact of just hitting record and just, you know, having a conversation and it kind of, it definitely leads to, to, to things, to areas. Mm -hmm. um, I think we see that a bit at our monthly wine and chi events, uh, cool nights at Mission Yoga, where we um, get some wine, people can bring food. It's a, what do you call a potluck? Potluck. Down yeah. here, which is neat being part of. And I think you led a few... Nights uh, discussing yeah. certain sutras, correct? Um, I think I did the Gita theme. Last one and she was a very small group. And, um, I just proposed we talk about this whole idea of nature and what nature is. Because uh, over the years, um, people have said to me, well, you know, I don't do yoga or meditate. Um, I, I, I do that by going into nature. Mm. Or, or I go into the mountains, and so I've been hearing that for thirty years, thirty-five years, and I, and it's always been a curious thing to me. And then I was listening to a podcast by Stephen Batchelor. Are you familiar with Stephen Batchelor? No. Stephen Batchelor is a, a he's a Buddhist. A very interesting story, his life. He's brilliant. He's written some really wonderful books. Uh, Buddhism Without Beliefs is one of his books that I you know recommend and. Uh, Confessions of a Buddhist Atheist, another great book. Anyway, he was saying that when he was a young, he was a monk for a while. He was a, um, he's a, uh, from the UK, and so he was a, a Tibetan monk, Tibetan Buddhist monk. He, he is not Tibetan. Right. And then he was a Zen monk, and, and then he, he left it, he got married, and left that whole thing behind. And Anyway, so he was telling the story about how when he was a young monk in, in the UK, he was hosting a Tibetan teacher, a Tibetan Lama, I believe, who was coming from, probably from India, because at this point they all fled Tibet. And um, he wanted to show him a good time. You know, he wanted to show him something around his, where he lived um, that he thought would resonate with him. 
And so he's got these ideas about, you know, a Tibetan monk, you know, being in the mountains and, you know, oh, he'll love to go out into a forest. Um, you know, he's not interested in the city or, you know, I'm going to bring him to a forest. So he founds a, finds a park not far from him, a forest park. And um, I pick up the monk and uh, he brings him to this forest and they start going on a long walk through the forest. And again, in Bachelor's mind, he's thinking he's bringing them into, into nature and, you know, he's going to resonate with this. He's going to like this. Become awake. Well, yeah. I would think he assumed, Bachelor probably assumed this is a llama. He's already awake, you know. So they're silent through this walk. And I'm thinking that Bachelor's just probably thinking, well, he's, you know, meditating and he's just enjoying the walk. They go through a long walk. They, they emerge from the forest and the, monk, and the monk turns to him and says, we made it. He was relieved. And he, he said, Bachelor said in, in this talk he was giving, that he realized that for that Tibetan monk, for a Tibetan person, the woods, the forest is filled with demons, and it's a, it's a place of um, danger. Destruction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then he was reflecting on that. He was thinking about this whole idea about the beauty of nature and then going into nature to find yourself and um, the spiritual calling of going into nature, into the mountains, into the forest. He says, that's a relatively recent invention. Late 17th century, the Romantics, the Romantic period. Wow. Now, there wasn't this idea of nature and the beauty of nature and finding yourself out in the world, you know. Um, so it was friggin' destructive. Uh, definitely large parts of it. Yeah, well, part of their mythology, too. Sure. You know, there's um, demons, you know, which are externalizations of psychological patterns. But anyway, so why did I even bring that up? Why did I mention that about, oh, wine and chi? Yes. So we, so we talked a little bit about that, and, and everyone in the group shared their experiences of, you know, being younger and... Um, and being powerfully moved by that experience of being either on your own or being out in the woods. and um, So that's the kind of thing that happens in a wine and chi. A topic is uh, mentioned, and then sometimes it's got legs, and there's spirited discussion, and sometimes there's not. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so that's at Mission Yoga. Do you know of um, what other communities in Charleston do? Do they have... Uh, What's the technical term for the Sangha? You know, in the yoga world, we call that Sangha, community. Community? Sangha means to join together, to come together. I'm going to say Yoga Den. Yoga Den? Out as well, which is uh, a recent spot. Well, that's Charleston's newest. um, One of Charleston's newest, and it's in a really, really neat space. Um, It's quite big, and I'll be teaching there uh, this coming Sunday. They do donation classes. Last uh, week, it was you know you can bring, go in and give pajamas to, um, and, and just clothing to all the children around. Oh, they do that there. That's yeah. So there's two classes um, on Sunday, uh, ten and four, and they're all levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so we switch off on those, and I'll be teaching Monday, mm-hmm. um, in the mornings. This is starting to sound like a commercial show. Yes, we're we're getting to that. We're getting <laughs> to that point. Um, where we, and, and I was going to mention um, Sunday mornings, every morning, 
every Sunday. Every Sunday morning. Every Sunday. Yeah. It would be great if it was every morning, man. Or at least uh, getting one more. Yeah, that would never work. Uh, it would be great. I like the idea, but it would never work. It would never work. <laughs> um, the, the well, space... even Sunday morning, you know. I mean, sometimes there's 15 people. Sometimes there's four. You know, it, it just it varies. But anyway, yeah, so talk about that. That whole Sunday experience at Mission is really interesting, the way... Um, you could take a an hour. You can have an hour long meditation, which is um, pretty rare, pretty rare experience in the yoga world. I, I find that people talk about meditation more than they actually meditate. Everybody loves the idea of meditation. It's it's a discussion. It's <laughs> for sure. So you go. For, you can conceivably, if you're really looking for that immersive experience, take an hour of meditation, which is partial discussion. Um, a little talk, some silent meditation, different meditation te- techniques, and then immediately go into, after that, yin vinyasa class. So you could have a, an immersive yoga experience that's much closer, I think, to more traditional yoga, from 8 a.m. to, what is it, 10.30. Around that Lessons time. Around 10.30. So that's a two-and-a-half-hour yoga experience and, and it's a nice mixture of a mixture of sitting silence movement you know with, with the very uh, brilliant Kelly Jean Moore giving yin and vinyasa yoga yes you know great inspiration uh, good talks so it's it's a pretty unique experience I think in terms of what you can get in a studio for sure typically I think uh, first it's funny you mentioned that because uh, we're sitting here having this discussion and um, we had met at Yoga Pop, but a little after that, um, the first meditation class that I uh, had with you on Sunday morning in our group setting, um, you know, we, we like to um, have some conversation, I yeah, think, yeah. Um, yeah. before um, our practice begins, and I think it's um, it's important. It's mm-hmm. great as well. Um, but you were talking to me about when I first started meditating, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget this too because it was so funny. It was just like I'm here, I'm doing it. Let's start the podcast. Like we're rolling, and mm-hmm. we we were going into a pretty deep discussion. I was telling you about my experience with meditation was getting um, submerged into it in the immersion firm during teacher training. Yeah. It was two hours a day, and it was chanting. Yeah. It was pranayama breathing, and I think having that experience has led me to hold a bit of that practice. You know, I love chanting. I love pranayama is a big part of mm-hmm. my um, yoga practice, yeah. my personal practice that I do. Well, it's interesting you bring up the teacher training environment, the experience of being in teacher training. I think we need to find a way to bring that kind of training, what you do in a teacher training program for that 200-hour or 300 or 500-hour, whatever your training is, into the everyday class. Do you understand what I'm saying? That no, were... it would just be so much more time, though. People, I think, want their yoga practice yeah, they want to go get in and get out. Yes, the yoga. It's either you know you want a yoga quickie class, mm-hmm. which is the actual name. I, I, yeah. I, I at our at our studio, um, forty five minutes. 
and you have. Uh, by the way, I'm surprised there aren't more people coming to that when it's called a quickie. A quickie, of course. Get Who in, get like out. A quickie? No, we like our longer <laughs> practices. We like to enjoy our practice, and yeah. um, that's why Bikram, ninety minutes that you're you're yeah. going into, it's yeah. I think a great yeah. length. I don't know about anything more than that. Well, you know, I, I for the first maybe ten years of my um, yoga training and practice classes were typically two hours. We did two hour classes. That, right. that was that was standard. That, my teacher would, um, and, and oftentimes they were even longer than that. I mean, she was a mom with three kids, and she wouldn't necessarily show up when the class starts, and she'd call in, and somebody would start us doing <laughs> postures, and so we'd get there at 8 o'clock, and sometimes she'd show up at 9, 9.30, wow. and we would leave at 11. <laughs> so, but that, you know, that was a very different world. That's a uh, great morning. Yeah. But it, it was, this is, no, evening. This is the evening. Evening, yeah, evening. Yeah. Um, but even our regular yoga classes were um, hour and a half to two hours. That was pretty standard. Right. Yeah. And meditation as well? or was Meditation it, was included in that. It was included yeah. in the asana. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, typically the way it would start is... Um, it begin with um, very much like it is now with a, a, a sequence or a routine that involved stretching. It was mainly stretching. And then you would get into postures. But this was before vinyasa. Um, this was before ashtanga. It's before Iyengar. Iyengar's book had been out, but there was nobody teaching Iyengar. Um, we did, it was very traditional with postures where you would do um, maybe three repetitions of a posture. So you may do, uh, let's take the wheel, chakrasana. Right. right. You would do that, hold it, come down into Shav, do it again, come down into Shavasana, do it again. That sounds repetition. like the end of Ashtanga Yoga. Yeah. That, but um, but then there would be another posture, right. and then another posture, and another posture. Um, so, and so the only kind of sequence we did was Surya Namaskar, um, sun salutation. It's so interesting it was, that you say that. Too, because so many, um, a lot of a lot of cities in the U.S. now, these power yoga studios are really um, getting people into the door, onto the mat of, of yeah, the yeah. practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's quite interesting to look at and see that. Mm -hmm. um, you have Charleston Power Yoga mm -hmm. down here, but I would say, yeah, you can look. Uh, you got the Mac here now. You can. See your locations and and see the, so Char the so area. That power Charleston Power Yoga is that part of the um, um, what's his name? The Power Yoga guy. Baptiste. Baptiste is that is that a Baptiste? I believe tradition? I believe it's um, Baptiste. Um, I know he has a huge teacher training. Yeah. That's a lot of power vinyasa. I watched one of his videos is online, and I mean, it looks like VHS, these guys are mm -hmm. in these, you know, 80s workouts, clothing, and I mean, it's amazing to just watch, and I, you know, they're doing same stuff that they're doing today, it's quite amazing yeah, to yeah. see. So, Baptiste's parents were both yogis, I believe. I, I believe mean, that's he, true. He was born into a yoga family. Which, you know, in the traditions in India, they said that's, you know, probably the greatest birth the greatest birth is to be born to 
parents that are yogis, but that's... Oh, is that true? Text. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a text that says that, and I forget which text it is. Right. Yeah. Well, Baptiste... Well, all I know is that I took one class there, and it, it just kicked my ass. It was, you know, Jiva Mukti is a great sequence. Yeah. Um, I, I, you're going to go in... You're gonna you're gonna do shoulder stands, yeah. and you're gonna hold it for quite some time. Yeah. That was one thing that I remembered from my Jiva Mukti class, yeah. was just uh, that that flow of just stiria, which is the 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 steer, the steadiness. Steadiness, yeah. Um, it's definitely a steadiness and a flow mm. in so, that style. Let's talk about shoulder stand for a moment. There was a period in time not long ago where that fell out of favor. And somebody, somebody claimed that uh, shoulder stand is very dangerous. And, it's, um, and I've only seen it recently, been, in fact, just this past week, that it's been reintroduced at Mission. That's always been changing, I think. You yeah. can say that about headstand as well, where yeah. it's... You know, well, there was a very recent article about headstands, and there was a lot of debate on, on the, the internet about six months ago or so right. um, about headstand. But the problem with shoulder stand was pointed out by someone. Whether it's a real problem or not, I don't know. I don't think it is. But um, so it kind of fell out of favor in the yoga world. But it was the most common posture I did when I was in training and when I taught, and I taught for many years. Shoulder stand was. Sort of like an apex pose, you know, that's the term they like to use these days. Apex, apex pose, pose, right. Mm. <laughs> um, um, I think there, whoever claimed that it's a dangerous pose and it, it could injure, I, I, I doubt it. Although my knowledge of anatomy is, not, is very thin, so I can't really say as an expert, but I've never had anyone be hurt. I was never hurt by it. Um, no one ever said it was there was a problem with it, and then suddenly, I don't know, it was 10 years ago or 8 years ago or maybe 5 years ago. I don't remember when it was, but suddenly it was this taboo posture. You shouldn't do shoulder stand. Taboo? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think moderation of everything. Sure. Right? So if you're just doing one pose... You gotta balance that out with you know yeah. your back bends, but your forward bends, and you know talking about anatomy before you know when you do the practice of yoga, you become a little more aware of your body. So even though I don't think that you may have an uh, an educate an educator background in you know anatomy and biology, you still you still become aware of your body a little bit more, mm-hmm. and you feel the aches and the pains and. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the practice of yoga um, does to yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be interesting to have somebody who n- really knows about these things explain what the problem, the supposed problem with shoulder stand. So maybe we should try know, to find I know someone. This, I know this person. He's up there. He lives uh, next the patio. Oh, I thought right you were talking about the divine. The divine. He's up yes. there. That's, um, which, he is that up isn't there. where he's located. No, but, but it's also but so here. the guy who lives above you. It's also here. Yeah, we can look it up. But now I'd like to have somebody sit down with us and explain to the many thousands of people who listen to this podcast. Thousands <laughs> and, and going on the millions. Yeah, could by be. By the year 
3,015. There you go. And, and explain to us just what the, what the problem was. Because I'm, I'm right. not imagining this. There was um, a lot of talk and a lot of discussion about it. And it's probably been in books, you know. And well, it's amazing. It we, became this rare beast, the show. We know stand, more we now. We find it anymore. We know uh, what's today's date. This is April... 29th. Yeah. It's April 29th, yeah. 2015. Um, we know more than we ever did at this moment than ever in time. You know, we have the most information. We have everything documented um, in the history of, of what we know, right? Are you talking about everything or are you talking about yoga? Are we talking about yoga right now? Right now, yoga, yoga is everything. Wow, okay. So, but I think you're right. I mean, in terms of, we were talking anatomy and I think but Where like we anatomy, right we know now. more about anatomy yes. right now yes. than ever in time. Yeah. You know, here's something interesting. I saw a photograph recently of Krishnamacharya in a pose. Um, and he was doing at least three things wrong. So no one can see <laughs> right. me put my fingers up and doing scare quotes here. You know, right, right. You know, it's there. Quote, wrong, unquote. In other words, what... The party line is now in terms of proper alignment, you know, like he, he was doing, um, his knee was bent and his knee was far past his toes, you know, you're never supposed to go. Past the toes, So right. he, there were at least three things that, as a neophyte, you know, in terms of anatomy and alignment, I could recognize. Um, and that, it was curious, and I, it made me think of... Um, Oh, you know what? I don't even want to go down that road right now. <laughs> no, no, you, you, you took it this far. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, this is Krishnamacharya. This is the guy. You know, there wouldn't be modern yoga. We wouldn't be sitting in front of this uh, blue Yeti microphone, this very high-end podcast USB microphone, talking all about of this. yoga if it wasn't for Krishnamacharya. All right. That's not to say. Krishnamacharya was responsible for yoga, but he was that pivotal, seminal character uh, that gave rise to um, an expression of yoga that allows you and I to sit here and talk about yoga. There wouldn't be a mission studio, I think, without what, how he influenced the yoga world. And so he's this revered guru, if you will, Right. And here's a picture of him with all these things wrong about his alignment. And when I say wrong, I mean in terms of what is said today and what is taught today. Right. So I don't really have a point here. I just wonder what that means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the last, uh, one of the last classes I took, um, our teacher had mentioned if you focus too much on alignment, that you're kind of out of it anyway. You're already lost in the moment. So it's funny you mentioned... I agree with that. Yeah, but, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that this, this guru, this guy... This I mean, he's totally... Any, this is not just any guy. This he's is a guy. Krishnamacharya, this right? Is, this is the guy. Without Krishnamacharya, there would be no Pratobi Joyce. There so, would be no Iyengar. No, no uh, what's her name? Anyway, it doesn't matter. What uh, role... Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what, uh... What role and influence do you think he has today? 
Oh, his influence is massive. There wouldn't be the modern postural yoga movement the that asana. we see. That's well, and that's basically essentially what yoga is for the most part. Um, there wouldn't be that without Krishnamacharya. Now, that doesn't mean somebody else would have been an influence. Um, I mean, let's let's look at it. So you got Bikram, right? Yes. Bikram's teacher. I say that very quickly. Yeah. Bikram's teacher was the brother of Paramahansa Yogananda, the founder of, you know, the author of Autobiography of a Yogi. Autobiography of a Yogi, yes. So I don't think, I mean, clearly he was One of Steve Jobs' favorite books. Yeah, I know, that's really sad, but that's another discussion. We should have a, a podcast discussion about With Steve Jobs? how sad no, can't. is it that Steve Jobs read that book once every year, but that's my perspective, and, not, and I don't think many people in the yoga world share that. Sad. Yeah, I think the book was a silly book, but that's, a, you know, again, that's another discussion. That's, a, that's two discussions right there, <laughs> <laughs> at um, least. So, Paramahansa Yogananda didn't have, and his take on yoga didn't really have an, the influence that created this mass movement like we see today. It, um, so, I, you know, it's it's doubtful whether we would have the yoga we have today without Krishnamacharya, and it's a that's a very interesting story. We should devote a podcast to the series of podcasts on the history of yoga. But I think I there's know. a lot of truth yeah. to what you're saying. Yeah. For sure. Um, you could have uh, a podcast about and a discussion about every single thing, though, but what makes it different? What makes what different? Each podcast and yeah. each person. Yeah, yeah. are all the things to think about, yeah. I think, and to discuss, which is a great time that we're in right now as human beings. Yeah, so look, you and I need to talk about something, so this is... Oh boy, like whether, we haven't been this, doing enough talking. No, but I mean, I mean, this has got nothing to do with a podcast. <laughs> we should this, turn this, this off. This particular is this, is this business No, I want, to keep, I want to keep recording it, no, but no, I mean... Of course. So, I'm excited about the idea of, of course, you know, I was like a yap, and you and I can talk, we could probably go on and talk like this for hours, but I, bringing in a teacher, right, and yes. featuring all these wonderful teachers that are here in Charleston and elsewhere, right, so you have a community in New York, I have a community in New York, several of them where, um, I, I like this idea of interviewing teachers, but how do we want to interview them? You know, what do we want? What do we? Th there should be some things that are always set that we always ask teachers to talk about. I think there are the questions. Like, you know, the Daily Show. Yeah. Oh, right? for sure. Do you remember before um, John Stewart had the Daily Show? It was Craig Kilborn, I think. Okay. Yeah. And he had the, he would always have a guest on at the end, and he would ask them five questions. They'd be the same. No, they were always um, different. They, usually, they were tailored for the person, and but they were, on the one hand, very absurd questions, but on the other hand, because of their absurdity, and, the, and they opened up a lot of creativity and a lot of humor. I mean, that was what the show was about. It's about laughter and humor, but. Um, because of the absurdity of the questions and because of the kind of rapid-fire delivery of them, and they had to answer these questions spontaneously, 
It's time. Um, it was always very interesting. So that's, I would like to have something like that, that we ask yoga teachers, that there's no way they could prepare. You know, I'm sure if we were to interview, a, let's take Ashley Bell from Mission and Beyond. I mean, she teaches all over Charleston, but yes. she probably before sitting down with us, she's probably going to be thinking about things she can talk about, which, are, which is great, you know. But I would want to be able to say to Ashley Bell or whoever's sitting with us for the interview, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then they had literally. To respond. Well, yeah, well, yeah, not that. We but. are going to say blah blah blah. Yeah, we'll say blah blah blah. Every podcast now with teachers. No, yes, you're right. Um, I think there is um, something to be said about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and Ashley Bell, of course. I mean, I was going to say was my first yoga teacher down here in Charleston. The first class that yeah. I had come to at Mission and. Um, Everybody that takes Ashley Bell's class, they know you're going to go into an Ashley Bell class just because her flow and sequence is so amazing. Yep. Um, she's, she's in the moment. I mean, she, she's a teacher of teachers, I yeah. think, and she, she'd be a great... Yeah, uh, it's interesting that you and I... So I like Ashley's class as well, and, and so there's a New York connection. <laughs> yes. Ashley. She's not from New York, but she's trained... In New York, that Laughing Lotus. Laughing Lotus. Yes, Dana Flynn. In a particular kind of flow that they call Lotus Flow. Lotus. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting how we come from New York, we land in Charleston, and one of our teachers, one of our great teachers, <laughs> has been influenced by New York. So there's a kind it's of the circular... Irony, no, it's definitely yeah, a, a yeah, connection yeah, dynamic yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Laughing Lotus um, sequence is it's very... Fast, mm -hmm. and I always love the discussion about the different styles in yoga. I just had a recent um, blog post that came out where it was what yoga class is right for me, yeah. and you know a lot of people's first introduction to yoga is shitty. Sometimes they have bad experiences. Sure. You know, not yoga. The asana form is not for everyone. I don't mm -hmm. think um, some people are just not going to um, take to it. Like other people. Yeah. So, forget what I was going to say here. Um, that's the, right. We, that's what the edit button's for. Right, right. No, no. Oh, no. This is flown. It's the flow. Yes, that's oh, where okay. I was going to go. <laughs> Same in a conversation. Everything just, like, flows and it bounces back. And yeah. I think, um, like Ash's class, there's a, there's a flow that's going to go on. Yeah. And it's always different. Yeah. It's the same, but it's always different. Because mm. it's yoga. So that's something we need to address in future podcasts, styles of yoga. Oh, I can, I, I mean, love take just looking at the alone, different styles and, and being part of the practice of different styles. Yeah. I think there's so much to be said. We've got lotus flow. We've got yin. Which is vinyasa. yin, if yeah. you want to say. Yeah. It's, you're holding the postures mm -hmm. for, for longer, for a longer uh, space of time. Yeah. So you're in a pose for four to five minutes, sometimes even more. Yeah, yin was a great revelation to me because that was the first time since I've kind of reintroduced posture back into my life and exploring um, various modern styles, which is only, it's only been the past year and a half that I've been doing that. And um, being in Kelly's yin class, it was the yin approach that was 
the closest to the kind of yoga that I began with. Right, you know, when you were doing when, the same yeah, postures. Yeah, we holding and, postures. How many different postures would you say you were doing? Not many. Uh, I would say there was probably 12. There was about 12 postures. And what okay, we 12. used to do when we discovered um, light on yoga, which again, this was before anyone was really teaching. There might have been someone on the West Coast and you know, it might have been... No, I'm sure there was nobody actually teaching Iyengar. So this is the early 70s. Um, we would go to the yoga space at a time when there were no classes being taught, and we would work with the book, some of my friends and I. Um, so that's kind of how the we, we kind of broke out of that initial tub. But my teacher only, so let me see if I can list them. We did um, Sarvangasana, shoulder stand, Halasana, the plow, uh, the bridge, I'll go back and forth between Sanskrit and English. Right, it's right. Here on my mind. It's Duolingo. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chuck, Chuck was on the uh, wheel. Um, the fish. Uh, we did Rikshasana, the tree tree pose. It's amazing you see um, so many today, too. Nataraj. Uh, yes. The, the Nataraj we did. Um, dancer pose. Well, you had mentioned triangle. Ashtanga before. Yeah. Um, Ashtanga coming... The power of vinyasa sequence, the very fast sequence that started out of Ashtanga. And Ashtanga is Patobi Joyce, student of Krishnamacharya. Yes. Started around what time, would you say? What time did Ashtanga? Yes. It's funny, I'm actually working through a document now on the history of, of modern postural yoga. And a great book, by the way, um, Yoga Body, Mark Singleton. Okay. Really good book if you want to know the history. Anyway, um, my guess would be the early eighties. Early eighties. Around that's that just, time. But that's just a gut guess. Yeah, because when power vinyasa and, and that fat sequence began, it kind of took over, and and it's it's amazing how strong they are today. Yeah. Um, I love my Ashtanga class that I've been going to the last. Yeah. Since I moved to Charleston, um, out in Blue Turtle Yoga in Mount Pleasant, um, one of my favorite... That's one of those ground zero locations in yes. Charleston, isn't it? Because I keep bumping into people. I mean, look, Kelly Jean started, was a teacher there. Uh, Ashley Turtle. was a teacher there. And Ashley. You know? And, you know, and I keep bumping into people who say, oh, yeah, you know, I say, why don't you come to Mission? They go, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to come to Mission. I used to study with... Ashley, I used to study with Kelly at Blue Turtle. You know, that happens to me all the time. There's a scene down here for yoga, yeah. man. It's it's wild. And probably before that was um, Holy Cow. I think Holy Cow was like yeah. the first. Right? It's a great place. They do a lot of events. Yeah. Uh, had a That was one of my second class studios mm-hmm. that I went to. The first person I met, first yoga person I met in Charleston was Tracy. And Tracy's the, the owner? The owner of... Um, of Holy cow. Yeah, the structure of, or the, the, the layout of Charleston is uh, so interesting, how you have all the islands and uh, all the studios that are around. Yeah. yeah. I've got to wind down because I've got to... Yes, we have a lot of things to do. This was a great start. But this Whether was Whether this awesome. actually goes live or not. But oh, I mean, it will go live. Well, I mean... We're, we're hitting the button send I, out What there. I mean is that the, the podcast will go live, but whether we take this particular... Yes. We'll, we'll see. 
We'll see. Yeah. Um, see I'm not totally going. convinced yet, but we'll see. <laughs> um, this is going to work, Joe. This is definitely going to work. You just said it wasn't going to work. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> say that. Oh, I thought you said that before. No, 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 no. Okay. No, this is going to work. Um, I, I think we'll we'll get everybody on board in Charleston. Yeah. Um, we'll go everywhere. We'll interview anyone. Tell me about yoga. Yeah. You know, like we, what we we've been saying the last, uh, how long has it even been? It's over an hour. Oh, we've been recording for. Let's see. Um, yeah, it is over an hour. It's an hour and five minutes. That's amazing. Yeah. But yes, the uh, getting getting people on, and I think getting teachers, students of yoga, um, and it would even be neat getting taking a class and, and then having a conversation. Yeah. About yoga yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Then what we need to do is get like maybe Coca Cola as a sponsor. Yes. Or um, um, we have the brand Chick Fil A. How about? <laughs> Closed on Sundays. <laughs> Chick Fil A is one of my favorite uh, fast food you know spots. My, you know what my name, my pet name for Chick Fil A is? What's that? Stepford Chicken. No, is that true? Do you, do you know the reference? Yeah, that's what I call it. That was my first. The first time I was in uh, Chick Fil A, which uh, shortly after I moved here. Right. Um, does that does that name mean anything to you? Do you know what I mean when I call it Stepford Chicken? No. Did you see the movie Stepford Wives? Stepford, no. No, so you, you won't understand it until you see the movie Step. So your homework is to watch the movie Stepford Wives. All right, we have... It's a uh, very good movie. We have homework here. Yeah, you have What's homework. What's going on? And, and from watching... Then after watching Stepford Wives, you have to figure out why I call Chick-fil-A Stepford Chicken. All right, we're That's on. That's your homework. If you want to waste your time. If you don't want to waste your time... Don't listen time, to anything I'm saying. Time is an interesting thing here. It kind of just goes on. Yeah. This conversation, uh, I feel very different from what I did before. First oh. podcast yeah. um, ever of, of mine that I'm doing. And I've been listening to podcasts for about a little shorter than I've been doing yoga. Kind well, of a lot's been leading is, is to me Is anybody going to really point. want to listen to us? I mean, you know, we're just yes, like... Yes, they're out there. Well, Someone know. who got this far. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. You Congratulations. So you can't see us at home, but we're shaking hands. This right is now. the deal. This is the moment. Deal. Video. I'd like to thank Blue Yeti. Um, and Honestly, yeah, they did uh, it. MacBook Pro for being present and working. They were they did a great job. They were very still. Very still, very quiet. Steady. Steady. Huh? Yes. <laughs> steady. Yes. Steady. And um, uh, the also, mind... I would say Sukum, you know, I mean, it's yeah. a very pleasurable technology. It's very good, good space, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I've, been, I've just read that in the sutra uh, yesterday. Stero Sukumasana? Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great one. And then there's so many sutras. So, you know, the word sukha is related to the word sugar, believe it or not. Sugar? Sugar. Wow, what is like sugar? glucose. Sweetness, like sweet. Oh, uh, that's neat. Right? That's really neat. Right? Sukha is happiness or... Ease or sweetness, you know. Right. Well, that's a good way of thinking of it. You're bringing a sweetness into your embodiment, into the way you feel installed in the world, present in life. You know, sukha. It's interesting how uh, power yoga is now big, and we had that sweetness, but yet they're two opposites. But we want to go into a power yoga class with that, like, oh, I'm going in. I'm going to do push-ups, and I'm going to do all this. Well, maybe. You but do. yet there's a sweetness to it. <laughs> I don't. No. Oh, for sure. <laughs> 
That's me. Yeah. No, that's good. But uh, lots of uh, lots of topics of discussion. Lots and of topics, and we yeah. we rolled, man. This yeah. was this was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this second episode of Talking Yoga with Joe. This was one of the more interesting conversations I've got to have with Sal, and I certainly hope you you enjoyed it. If you can take one more minute and go into your iTunes store, rate, comment, and please let me know what you think. If you'd like to reach out on any social media and connect, you can like the Facebook and Instagram page, Yoga with Joe. Oh,